You and me having a conversation. Just having a casual conversation in front of these mics as we do once a week. It's slowly later and later into the week. Right. I mean, that is this has been an exception month because we are uh, deep deep in a mix within the creation of the final form of album. And um, that is. As you know. Yeah. Dear loyal listeners, <laughs> it is murdering us from the inside out. Right. I have become an ulcer. Uh-huh. Summer is uh completely falling apart. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. It, I'm very itchy. Um I have yeah. headaches every night. Yeah. I just feel You're having um, the most incredible eczema attack that I have ever seen a human (laughs) being have. It is like it's focused on your foot. Uh I'm sorry. I'm going to tell everyone. That's okay. It's It's a very scaly situation. It has turned into just a like leather clasp. Uh And when you itch it, it, the sound that it makes Uh is... I mean, we are spending so much time locked in a room with each other. As you that, talk like, about it, I just felt the like intense need to itch it. it. Right. I um, mean, if you did, everyone would hear it. So the thing is, I have had you know little bits of eczema, like t- on that area of of foot, right, <laughs> since childhood, and then in a time and there was like a good several year period, like four or five year period where it went away yeah um entirely like gone poof didn't ever exist because i'm an adult now and i guess my body was like you're an adult you don't need this um punishment yeah i I don't know and um or like maybe we stabilized hormones or something and then the stress from this i mean it was it was maybe already coming back a little and the stress of this process is really i'm just I'm i'm a itchy lady you are itchy. You are scaly. Uh-huh. You're producing foot flakes. Yeah. Yeah. But the album is going to be great. It's going to be gonna so good. Our lives. It's, it's going to change, change your the lives life. of the listener. Yeah. Also, listener, you should share this podcast everywhere. Right. Because Post don't you it. think Put it your in friends your story. will want to know about? They gotta a know stranger's about summer's itchy, itchy foot. foot. Yeah. I, I mean. mean <laughs> Eventually, it's a, it's a Stockholm thing. It's audio Stockholm. Uh huh. You're admit it. You're kind of into summer's itchy foot right yeah, now. Yeah, you are. And you want to spread here, the illness. Uh huh. I think it's not. You know what? I think this is the new ASMR. Listen to me itch my foot. Yeah. Scratch. 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 I mean, people are into everything. I'm sure people are. Yeah, I mean, I people mean, are in really defeat. into feet, right? So I'm sure someone's into so like eczema. foot audio. <clears throat> I mean, maybe that's the new frontier. Listen to my feet. Right, that's no combining more, two of the like, largest, you know, feet fetish picks. things. What feet? feet yeah, yeah, picks. feet picks. That's so Wiki passe. Feet. Yeah. What about well, Wiki sound of feet? Sound of feet. Mm-hmm. Don't send me pics of your feet. Feet. Send me audio right. of your feet. Yeah. That's the new hot thing. That's the one. I think this is going to be the one that blows us up. Um, 
I'm Summer Krinsky, by I'm the way. I'm Scott Murphy. This is I Don't Heart Radio. And this could be your next favorite band, except, surprise, we're not going to talk about a band today. Whoa. Yeah. Boom. Whoa. I was wondering why you didn't make me listen to a band. Make you listen. You, you have fallen in love with yes. so, like. No, 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 no. <laughs> You didn't offer the joy right. of sharing some music before we started. No, I wasn't um, accusing you. This is, I think that for the last, like, five days, me? we've just been going, like, I'm not accusing you. I'm not <laughs> accusing you. We have gotten into some weird fights, specifically over an acoustic, or a guitar. Oh, we fought over a guitar. We've just, I, I mean, like, the specifics of the thing aside, I think that the, 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 the grand The of a thing, guitar, specifically, was the fight. It was over... How wide the stereo image of a guitar, right, in a song was perceived versus what, whatever. But mm. do you want to just do it again? It's going to be on <laughs> video. It's going to be on the podcast. I mean, there's the guitar in particular, well, but it I has think to that be perfect. But so the more interesting, fun, neurotic fight that's just happening uh-huh. is just someone saying something, and then the other one going like, "I'm not accusing you." <laughs> Yeah, we've had a few of them. I think because we both know we're like on the edge of. Oh, pure it's almost insanity. constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a few. Uh-huh. It's like it's it's become a tick. Right. Like we're just in the room going like uh-huh. I'm not accusing you of saying that the kick drum needs to be on the three and measure thirty four. I'm not accusing you of saying. But this. you insinuated asking, something was wrong I'm with just it. something in this if, measure, I'm just and asking you tend to feel like it's kick drums that are <laughs> have a problem. <laughs> so, um, right. yeah. Uh, well, I think that which it's is just to say that I'm not accusing you uh-huh. of not liking the music. Right. I, I was simply yeah. questioning your language. <laughs> All right. Well, fair. I I want to clarify that I am. Uh, I love the music that you bring to the table on this podcast. That's why we keep doing it. Um, And I show up here in this chair and I'm I'm stoked every week for you to bring me firsthand. I mean, it really is. It's like you're my curator because I don't have I mean, when I was in college, I found new music through. I don't know. You just are like a sponge. Yeah. Everyone's showing you new music all the time. I mean, I was also in the music school, but like that wasn't who even necessary. It was like I'm surrounded by people that are really open and always like looking for something, uh, some album that they're that's gonna make them feel different or like define an era yeah. to them, you yeah. know. And I lived in a house with so many people that would always just be showing me music. I would hear it through like the ceiling or the floor, through the, and that's like, I pop my head in and be like, "Hey, what are you playing?" You know. And then after that era of life, it's been more like I was doing live sound. I'd find occasionally find new bands that I liked from just they come through the venue, and I'd be like, "This is great," um, and that, but that like you know. That isn't a consistent source, so you have, yeah. con- you know, contributed to well, thank you. the oh. palette that is forming my uh, 2022 musical taste. Well, I mean, that's the spirit, like, that is the spirit of what I think this podcast is. Uh, it's just that I remember the same thing, like, the you're age 15 to 22, and uh-huh. you're like a sponge, and you're just taking in all of the musical things all around you. It's exciting. Uh, it's very in the moment. You're not going to say no to something outright. And Well, in fact, not only are you not going to say no outright, I-, I definitely experienced that like a thing that I didn't like at first would become my favorite thing. Like something that put me off. Yeah. 
and it's now something that I have to kind of think about is like if something like rubs me the wrong way, then I kind of keep returning to it. Um, and then often it turns into like the, the, my favorite music of all time. Yes. And well, I mean, that's the, that's the dopamine release. That's uh-huh. right. Right. Of spring. The, yeah. Like the, the part of you that will riot when you hear a new sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that on the one hand, it's, you know, we have gotten a degree older, but how, I, how dare you? Yeah. Ageless, timeless over here. It's just that I also, I also think, I truly believe, one of my true core beliefs about humanity is that the, This is the, your, the chorus belief. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase it right. in, exa- in, in yeah. a way that doesn't sound too negative. Okay. The the bleakness of aging uh-huh. isn't the isn't like an inevitable diminishing of self. Uh huh. But is instead mostly societal factors pushing against you. Yeah, pushing against your um, curiosity. Yes. Because I think the excitement of um, growing up as, like, when you're a kid and then even throughout, like, your early 20s, you're um, experiencing all these new things that then make you have a better idea of who you are because of how you react to them. And that's so exciting. And then you get into monotony. Right. And I don't and I know that there's a degree of your brain chemistry changes, your brain changes and all of that. I'm not going to I'm not like a brain science denier, Uh but I think that the degree of which it's out of our control or our ability to enjoy and break monotony. uh, I I think that that's largely prescribed. Totally. Um, I agree. Like now. And then also just the way that everything or at least it has to be like intentional. But you right. have to be intentionally seeking. It doesn't come to your... Right, but I, I would say that when you're 22, you are intentionally seeking. It's not... Yeah. It's, it's not, more encouraged to be You are encouraged seeking. to be intentionally seeking. Well, oh, people, did you do yeah. the reading list? Uh-huh. You know? Uh, all of that. And now it's just... There's a there's a little rectangle in my pocket. It makes me sad, and it tells me that I have to love this new album. <laughs> and... And that's it, and, and and that's that that's the point of this podcast. Again, this is I Don't Heart Radio, where we talk about music that is outside of the phone that makes you sad. Yeah, <laughs> but we are in your phone, making you happy. Oh, look at that! Yeah, I mean, I also think that there's even like a like think about the the things people do to find new things in their I, when you when you were just saying like. It's like a phone based like I'm just thinking of the things people do that then I feel like are kind of discouraged like or not discouraged but not um like they're seen as kind of lame like having like a book club is right. seen as kind of lame but that's like but the it's coolest awesome. thing to do to like ha- to have a a reason to get together with people and see how they're interpreting a story and um s- s- talk about like what kind of things it brought up and why you know you share opinions or or dis- disagree about it and things like that like yeah, a book that club rules. like a you know um uh what was the other thing i was just thinking of it, it, it just i feel like those things oh 
D and D. I play D and D. Oh hell yeah! And like, I feel like people, th- people just. I thought of it was lame until I started playing it because I didn't understand what it was. It's just like an imagination game. Yep. But it's like slightly, you know, there's some structure to it just because as adults we like a little structure. We need some rules. Um, but like. It's basically just a adult imagination game. Yeah, you're doing make ups Yeah. You're making and a story. You're following through with character arcs. Those things are just seen as, by the general public, I think. Right. Seen as lame. And that's so sad because they're, they're you know, things that stoke your curiosity. Yeah. This is a book club for, for music. music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so in we're that not spirit, doing but we're not band. listening yeah, to music. Yeah, we're not listening to music this week. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, so <laughs> a a thread came up from like a local music promoter uh-huh. and they were they were asking what would in, what would actually entice you to come and see local bands. Uh-huh. You know, so I just had to follow this thread cuz I was kind of curious. Yeah, it's it's a local music promoter that does um, bigger. You don't bigger say events. Bigger yeah. events. Okay, I think I have I have a guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and let's just say that the the comment section leans boomer. All right, but you know it's people concerned about uh t- ticket fees. Mm. They don't want ticket fees. They don't want to have to pay um, for. They want to see a single genre bill. They don't want like why they, would we? Why have... would I find something that I didn't expect? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The one that was interesting to me. Oh, and people were like affordable drinks. <laughs> but there was a comment that was knowing that I'm getting an experience out of the event. Leaving the house for the sake of it is dead. Live music is competing with Netflix and couches. And backyard fire pits now. If I'm going to pay $80 for a babysitter, I need to know that I'm going to be transformed by the event. Well, that's actually... It's interesting. Yeah. And that just got me thinking about what is the act of being transformed by an event? That's Mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility on the event. Totally. I think it's also... I think it's also the responsibility of the person going to the event because I think that any any time you leave your house is an opportunity for your life to change yeah. or to learn a new thing. Uh-huh. You know, kind of like exactly what we were talking about. Like if you're if you are if you're open actively seeking a new thing, you have to be open to it. Well, I guess to be fair, isn't that true on the internet too? Like anytime you open your phone and Go browse the world. Oh yeah, but I've got the two apps that I use. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's like that's me doing it to myself. Uh huh. Yeah. It is yeah. my fault. But I guess the level of randomness in the world is a little high, as far as like there aren't two. Maybe there's a few bars or a few venues or a few, you know. But the um. The users that will be there. I mean, in a, in on the one hand, they have more in common because they're all living in the same place, and like that you already know that there's a and you know have enough factors going on in their life that they would all be at this place. That they share oh, more in yeah, common yeah, yeah. than a stranger on the internet, and yet at the same time, there's more randomness um, to what could happen in the in, in 
Is this, I'm just trying to make an argument for real life. Yes. <laughs> Summer Krinsky, fierce you're, you're, defender of IRL. Well, I'm just saying you do have... So we got those five senses, right? And yeah. they all have a chance to receive new information. IRL. IRL. Whereas... Yeah. On the, on the internet. Is it stands right now. And it's just, it's interesting. Pre-body suit. I guess what's interesting in this particular example is that the the conflict is between Netflix on my couch mm-hmm. versus totally transformative event. <laughs> okay, that's a fair point to bring up. Because when you read that comment, I was like, okay, fair. I need to start, like, planning things that transform people's lives. But then you're saying, you're like... What is that fucking expectation? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I I want to play around with both, uh-huh. you know, as a concept, but I think that there is there is a both sides here. Right. Because you're in this particular example, it is the 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 setup is between like you have to make me like regret having children i'm going to <laughs> to leave them tomorrow right. you're going to sweep me off my feet and completely and totally transform my life because if you don't i'm just going to watch whatever low budget netflix thriller just came out right yeah because to be fair to to like uh again to to even that playing field it's not like netflix uh in in general is always a f- a banger right. like maybe there was a there was there a, was a time there was an era there in, was a time where in, it was a pretty solid well and yeah, the thing is that it's been, like it's really been a lot of trash and no offense to trash but it's like you it's the same level of trash as maybe your local show yes. that you are it's not transforming you either um yeah uh, there's nothing. It's almost like a, it's an argument for like it has to be 100% consistent, or totally out of this world, and there's no in between. Uh huh. You know, because I can't think of anything less transformative than Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that just got my you know it got my wheels turning. This is what made me think. Yeah. Of today's feature, a place that I think is always transformative. Okay. Healer. Yeah. And that is where I, this is, okay, this is nice because this is a good plug for the show that we're doing on October 30th. Yes. We will be playing um, a Halloween show there. It's also an album release show, uh, not for us, but for um, another band, and it's going to be awesome, and uh, everyone on the bill rules. I can't wait for it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I. it just got me thinking. Healer is an incredible place, and it's kind of a one in a billion places to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about a lot of bands, but we haven't talked about a venue before, and I sure. thought that I would open up the, the world of mm-hmm. discussion. And you were the one who brought me to Healer for the first time. Yeah. And I I said that I think I've I've said this to people across the nation. I mean, because when you're you're when you're touring a lot, you go to one uh, just you go to a million venues, and then you also um, go to a bunch of cities. So people always want to know. Um, I think it's like an easy question. Is oh, yeah. what's to, your favorite city? What's your favorite you know? city? Yeah. What What's your favorite city you've been to in, on tour, on tour, or this tour, or in general in life? Who's the and, best cat you've met? Yeah, and I think one I surprise people a lot by saying like a lot of Midwest cities mm-hmm. as 
as top picks because I really like truly just uh, enjoy a lot of a we lot of Midwest, Midwest cities. Yeah, I I think that um maybe it's just that I really uh, connect with the people um, being from the Midwest myself. Um, but I think that there's just a genuineness and also, um, there's like a lot of more creative music. Like the coasts are supposed to be where the industry lies, but it also has this effect of like smoothing everything. Well, I mean, I think that the coasts for the last, um, 70 years have just been very good at importing creative Midwesterners. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's uh, like I feel know, like a lot of the people that blow up from LA are from the Midwest. They're not like born and raised in LA. That's obviously a giant generalization, but um pop quiz. Yeah. Where's Bob Dylan from? What is he? Uh Bob Dylan. Where's Bob Dylan from? Just where's it what your gut instinct? Minnesota. Okay, yeah, he is from Minneapolis. Hell yeah. Yeah, but All right. you know, for like the association is like, oh, Bob Dylan was a big part of the East Village. I was, you know? almost said Jersey, and then I was like, yeah. wait, the context. I think uh, it's you know that's Minnesota. where yeah. you know all of those shows are. But I mean, he moved to New York when he was like twenty. Yeah, you know, he was like uh-huh. the first like hipster transplant to, right. to New York. He's just a Midwesterner. Totally, he's from Minneapolis. I mean, so mad, Prince. Yeah, but Prince. like, um, a, a lot of the people that we think of as the the coastal famous people. I mean, I don't know, uh, like Patty Smith, like yep, you know the Joni Mitchell. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it goes on and on, and we're giving all these old examples. But Trent Reznor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. <laughs> still, this is still old. Oh, is it still old? <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure all of the current Zoomers are also from the Midwest. Right. But the the point is just um, that there's like a lot of that. The point is that there's a lot of value to uh there's a lot of value to living in a place that's very inhabitable <laughs> for seven months out of the year i think it really uh is a character builder um and it makes you uh think in a lot of different ways you gotta think you gotta be thinking and uh, healer is in the heart of the midwest it's right in indianapolis yeah. Uh, and I got off topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's tell me about the first time that you went to Healer because you played there first. Is that did I play there before? Yeah. Well, you swore it was all predicated on that you knew that it was cool because you um forced us to do it. Uh, no, were... I don't think I had played there before that. Oh, did you just have a hunch? Um, I think I saw stuff or I heard from people that it was cool. There was, I had a, someone had told me it was super cool. It was like, I had been relayed through the grapevine of, of bands I liked and people I liked that Healer was super cool. I'd played Indianapolis a bunch of times, not a, but like probably a handful of times with other bands. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love like Indiana, Indianapolis is on my top cities of America. I I think that I that surprises Indy. people a lot, but I love Indy. Very similar place to Detroit, as in that it's uh, you know, a city that had a lot of industrial um jobs that then left and um was had a had a 
time where it was like you know considered not safe but had like rich suburbs it's it, a very similar story the thing is when a place has a loss of industry um it also has rents go down <laughs> right and that makes it an affordable place for artists to live and people to um actually focus on the things that they're creating instead of having to hustle so hard to pay rent that they can't um, have any time to make. So I feel like Indianapolis is uh, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Detroit, they all have this kind of like uh, a lot of, um, you know, Cincinnati too. Um, They have this shared musical underbelly of people that are really creating awesome, awesome stuff. That sounds original. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, but Healer as a venue has, a, basically it's in what used to be an office space, it looks like. Yep. And all of the cubicles, um, they turned them, it, they had, there's one lead artist. Um, and I love, I love installation art and like interactive installation art pieces, things like that. So there, there's one lead artist, um, but then they also have a rotating selection of, people that come in and get to do an installation i think once a month but it might be once a like quarter or something like that i'm not sure um and basically they're like you can like it looks like an old office building with the cubicles but you can like kind of crawl into each one uh-huh. and it has its own universe it's like you've crawled through like a wormhole yeah they've into got a different some, world uh, uh, they have some like standing exhibitions and Uh then a few of the cubicles get rotated out with like different artists so yeah it's it's always changing so cool and um the each one is just it's like a place you can get lost because so there's like a gathering spot that's the open um middle area that where there's the music and when it's when it's packed in there though people can kind of um, you can you can either be social and be in the crowd, or you can kind of crawl away into yeah. another like dimension. And the it's such a special place. I I love. Um, I mean, there's some venues in Detroit that I feel like have their own character. Um, and but no one is quite on that same level. No, no. one across the country that I've seen so and far. And it's I mean I think of the for anyone who isn't super familiar, I'd say for the normies out there, but all of you listening are very special, not normies. But it's <laughs> like uh, it's like Meow Wolf without the problematic without the labor practices. Well, I mean, and also, I don't think Meow Wolf is really doing shows. No. Like, Meow Wolf is immersive, experienced, focused, but they're not doing... Oh, Meow Wolf might do, like, a very special quest love performance or right. something. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I tell people to always go to Healer if they're if they happen to be in Indianapolis. I mean, there's a lot of great venues in Indy. I've played lots of different venues oh, yeah. there, but Healer is by far just. I mean, it's literally my favorite venue in the country. Um, I just don't think I've I have yet to find a place that comes close. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're there, you should go. And that's the thing; it's a tra- it, that's a guaranteed. Better than Netflix transformative <laughs> experience a- any night of the week. Yeah. If you uh, if there's a show happening, you should go. If you're traveling through for work, go see a show. It's uh, you know, 
admission's probably like five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, go do it. And uh, yeah, I've got like the history of Healer pulled up, and it's pretty fun. Um, like you were saying, former office building, and how it started was um, Dog Brother was a band in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, Colin Oakley was a member. And they just had this uh, abandoned office building as a rehearsal space because, you know, the post in, the post-industrial burnout of living in a formerly industrial city, you're right. like, oh, I've got, I've got this old dentist. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's just where I uh, it's where I take pictures now. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's my my picture building or yeah. whatever. Um, it's so, like uh, the one the there's one venue in Detroit called the Jam Handy, which is a building that used to be old sound studio yeah, for they, film when they would film like commercials. It, yep. and, yeah. Uh, well, specifically, it's not. It wasn't commercials. It was, it was how-to videos. Yes, industrial in, videos. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and like warnings for um like. Ah, don't do this to your carburetor. Uh-huh. Yeah, like that that uh that moment. It was fun cuz like on a bunch of mystery science theater episodes, they do there's like a whole like vignette of, you know, how-to videos and like industrial warnings and like ah, Bill just murdered Robert with a forklift. You can't do that. Uh <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of those and you see at the end of them filmed at the Jam Handy and you're like, "Oh, Detroit." Uh-huh. That's uh, awesome. Oh, <laughs> you've got a squeaky dog. Yeah. This is why he's not always allowed in the taping of the podcast. But that's Mr. okay. Whiskey. Whiskey, whiskey's on whiskey's on this one. Yeah. He's had a tough time. Um so Dog Brother had this rehearsal space in this office building and it was just one day that like the the origin of Healer. They were having rehearsal and they were just in this giant abandoned office and went should we be doing something more with this? It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Because this is this is a huge amount of space, and there's all this stuff. Uh, so then they teamed up with some artists, and they decided to make it a show space because, you know, like, we got to have shows somewhere. And then it just morphed into a, uh art venue. Yeah. I mean, and it's incredible. It, it's so much cooler than a normal venue venue. <laughs> right. Um, if every venue teamed up with i mean obviously like it, it has the energy of the specific uh artist that kind of is the the main um cre- creative mind there and then i think they like also curate who's coming in with the with the outside artists that make installations but um if you know every city has creative visual artists if, if yeah. venues were more and if venues were more into teaming up with a visual aesthetic like Healer, I just think that it would be such a more, such a cooler experience across the board. I mean, Detroit has uh, one venue that I guess, I guess did the, um, a version of that, but I don't love it as much. It's a venue you used to work oh, at yeah, yeah, yeah. called Deluxe Flux. And right. they did team up with... That's like a franchise. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a like franchise. It's like a McDonald's of art venue. It is a McDonald's art venue, but I mean, explain the... the there's an entire room for Instagram photos. There right? is the Instagram room. Yeah. There's black lights. There's also... It's also a vomitorium. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know... 
the gross. stickiest floors it's, in Detroit City. Well, and they don't. So the 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 concept of the bar is that they don't mix drinks. They just have um, it's like a cocktail pull, like a cocktail keg, uh-huh. and it's just like sh- it's sugar water, and they just like pull it out and they give it to the to the crowd, and then they vomit. They vomit all night. Every night, and the floors have been made in order to just be hosed down at the end of the night. Um, and let's see, I think that the total count was I saw three people have sex, like in a trash can. Well, only one in the trash can. Right. I remember the trash can. Well, that happened behind your back. <laughs> right. I think I was having a conversation with you. you. Right. And, and you were giving me a weird look. I was and like, you didn't you explain. It. Well, no, I don't think you said it as I did. I did a whole, I was talking about something and you were just giving me a weird look. And then I think finally I might be inquired about it. And you were like, there's just some people fucking in that trash can behind you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I'm getting the same nice, wholesome vibes as Healer. No, I love Healer. Well, also, Healer isn't a chain and it couldn't be a chain. I mean, you could take that. It's an all ages venue. Yeah. 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 Yes. And I mean, you could take that artist and have him, you know, curate another venue space, but it would look different because it's someone's um, vision and it feels like walking into someone's vision. You know, um, it just feels like a um, I love when things have a character behind them and you kind of can feel like, you know, when you snuggle someone close, you still can't you're never going to get like. In you're never gonna get past the skin layer. You can't, you're not gonna no, get inside them. You're not gonna get inside them. But I think that certain kinds of art, when it's really authentic, it can feel like you kind of. It, it feels like you've crawled into the into, skin suit. Yeah, and it healer <laughs> feels like crawling into the, the skin suit. Ah, I don't know if they're did. gonna want to have us back after this, but um, I have to say that the reason I love healer. Is that it feels like I'm crawling into the brain, into the mind. Ah, Bill, you're not gonna want to do that. You're not supposed to crawl into a skin suit. <laughs> I didn't see. Brought I to didn't you see by the that. jam handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that I missed that how to. You missed how it. To, or how, what not to do. We do this thing where, so we've developed a system where we uh, have gotten rid of like awkward silences by clapping. Yeah, and, and then it's easier to it's find. So it's so transient when and, you're editing. Know, it's so good. Um, it's the way, the best way. But the thing is, we have a very squeaky German Shepherd in here, <laughs> and what we've been doing is like going like, okay, quit squeaking, quit squeaking, <laughs> and buddy, then and then clap. we calm him down, and then we clap, and he's and like, he's what, like, what, what's happening? We're clapping. So it's yeah, it's. It, it, this is just a squeaky episode. Yeah, this might Whiskey have some wants squeaks. To, this is just going to have some squeaks. That's you know okay. what? These are artisanal squeaks. Yes. These are handmade, boutique, DIY, squeaky dog squeaks just happening, and he knows it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We here at I Don't Heart Radio. I mean, if you were listening to Sirius XM, if you were listening to um, 93.1 FM, if you were listening to any of Howard Stern, would you get... You wouldn't get the squeaky dog. Handcrafted squeaky dog. I don't think... 
that you can find that anywhere. So you with should this go podcast. on to iTunes and give this five squeaky stars. Five squeaky stars. You can also stores. do stars on Spotify. <laughs> yes. Found that out. Do five stars. But I think that the Apple stars they mean do matter more the most than the Spotify stars. Not to say you know star it everywhere. Star 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 all around. You know what? You, you know what's kind of funny is like. It's not um, any money. It's not any, like, uh, it's not like you have a limited amount of stars to give out. You know, it's not even like a daily star limit. Oh, that would be interesting. You can What star. if everyone did have a daily star limit? What if I that think that was... would be better, actually, for society. Yeah. Because I think there's people out there giving five stars or one star or, like, and and they should just what if this, you not only do you have a limit of stars that you can give you have an allotment of stars that you have to give oh that would be very interesting you have to you give have out to all give out of your, your stars well because what i was going to say is the way you know how like um polling can be really weird because the people the kind of person that will of... respond to a poll is a specific personality oh for you know? a long time I think it was in it wasn't until the 2020 election that they started polling people with um, cell phones. Yeah, because like all that of the official totally polls were things. landlines. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like who has a, yeah exactly. So the kind of person that's given out one or five star reviews because I, I, I feel like no one's given yeah. out no there's no uh, middle ground. People are like oh. I hate this I love this right right because it's a be thing of here. like you, you see a thing you see a thing with three stars and you're like I don't trust this at all. What does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah. What what is this? It it shouldn't be that. It should just be three stars. Oh, this is all right. Uh huh. You know what's we don't have a like it's either a hundred percent on what Rotten Tomatoes or five. Uh huh. You know. What about a nice solid? What because like sixty five? I'm like I I don't want to. Right. I don't want to take the risk, but I should. That shouldn't it shouldn't be seen as risky. Right. The sixty five percent. Yeah, maybe we need to adjust. But any anyway, all right. to say <laughs> that I don't often give things stars. Right. I don't know if You're you not listener out your stars are one of those people like me that doesn't often give stars because it's like why give stars? But anyway, required the point is, or firing squad. Whoa, <laughs> that is not what I was going to say. I was just going to say. Um, I, that... I, have a, I have my own tyrannical government planned. And wow. in it, you have uh, an allotment of stars uh-huh. and you must use them. This is like that Black Mirror episode uh-huh. about like people. Oh, karma. you're a robot. Uh-huh. Oh, right, right, nope. right. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not the one where you're a robot. The social the, score. The social one. score, yeah. That they do already in right. China. But anyway, yeah. uh, all to say... Help out our future social score scores by giving us five stars. I'm sure it'll factor in um, when the robots take over. I think that they'll they'll uh, rank, you know, podcasters um, on whether they get to stay around or whether they become uh, robot juice. Robot um, juice. By whether they got enough five star reviews. So you're really saving our lives. Okay, so. I ha- oh. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 Oh no. We're just we're just flowing because yeah. if you clap, then the dog is gonna squeak, right, and then right. we have more we're squeaky flowing, dog. We're, flowing. we're just flowing. flowing. We're this flowing. is the flowiest episode in podcast history. Right. So, I have a back half for today. Um, I also accidentally left a thing of hummus in the studio for like a week because 
we've been working on the album and my life is trash right. and I am just trash. Uh-huh. It's very bad. Uh, and when we came in, it smelled very bad. It smelled in the amazingly studio. bad. It I, was really it was bad. Like rotten food it, to yeah. the max. Just like, I mean, hummus is in and of itself almost a rotten food. Right. And then it was rotten on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this whole time that we've been recording, you just have headache face. Oh, no, I'm I, good. I thought I you were- I have a very lo- low sense of smell. We both right, do. That's why right. the van works. Well, it does work. Because others will enter the van and say, how, how do you, are you possibly drive you around in this? this stink bomb? And the response, the answer is, one, I'm sorry, and two, we all have pretty bad senses of smell. Um, but uh, it was the hummus was rotten enough that it was, um, I even noticed it right off the bat, as being mm-hmm. very bad. As bad. Uh, however, I've adjusted. So I've been doing this podcast so far thinking that I had offended you with no. the horrible hummus. Never. And that we should, like, maybe skip the back half. No, no. I have a very low... One, I already have just, like, a low self-worth that at this moment, you know, we're just working on an album. I'm, I'm scum. You're scum. We just... We don't deserve good smells. We don't smell good. Um, sure don't. So but we're here to bring you more content. Yeah. And here. Also, it's it's background noise at this background smell. Background at this point. smell. I don't. Great. I wouldn't know until I leave, and then I come back, and then I'm like, oh, it smells like rotten hummus. But you know, we've done it. We've did a a little. We've wrung it out. The smell is <laughs> <laughs> neutralized. Okay. Speaking of stars. Because we were just talking about... Were we talking about stars? Yeah, we were talking about giving stars. Oh, yes. Taking stars, giving stars, Mm -hmm. being forced to give stars by the state. Yes. Um, I have found the story of Edgar Mitchell, the sixth person to walk on the moon. Okay. So, Edgar D. Mitchell, he was a pilot for NASA... He helped save Apollo 13, not on the, he he walked on the moon on Apollo 14, but during Apollo 13, he ran the simulations on Earth that uh, were required to troubleshoot the uh, disaster on Apollo 13. Cool. Cool guy. Sounds like a cool dude. American hero. Right. Immediately after walking on the moon, he went full crank cool and it's great this is like such solid uh what do you mean by crank well he touched moon and just went like george soros (laughs) (laughs) that genre is he like hosting a a podcast of his own or he, he said that on the way back to earth on apollo 14 he had a powerful Savakalpa Samadhi experience, which is a yoga thing. I don't know what it is, but he had such powerful yoga uh-huh. on the way back to Earth Red. that he became convinced that psychic phenomena is real. Okay. And he then immediately started to do uh, private ESP experiments with his friends, okay. which he then published... In uh, the Journal of Parapsychology. Did he go into detail on the yoga experience? What was the... 
like his limbs felt funny. Uh-huh. He didn't I can't find detail on exactly what yoga experience he experienced. On the way back. Like on the way back. He's coming back to Earth. He's coming back to Earth. He just walked on the moon. And then he's coming back to Earth and he has I mean, like it's a, really trippy to walk well, on the yeah, moon. Well, yeah, he walked on the moon. I, I mean, I can't, I don't know. I imagine that would feel crazy. And then I f- imagine like seeing Earth, the, the image that we see always in, in movies, like the right. return and you see Earth and you see, you know, a zoom out of every living thing that we know about. That has to feel I'm not saying that wild. it's not going to feel weird. Uh-huh. But he felt this thing, and then he started doing psychological magic thinking experiments with his friends. Okay. Which he then went on to publish in a bunch of magazines, Mm -hmm. and then NASA had him retire a few months later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he went on to continue, I'm assuming, with his other career. He did go on to go on with his career, yes. Okay. So what this does is it leads to... um, He is the... The impetus for Stargate, as far as I can, uh, uh, like, figure in the world of conspiracy blob. All right. Edgar Mitchell is That's the, why I know the name. Yeah. The name was so familiar, but I didn't... Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because he's just going around. He spends... Uh, it's the next seven years. He's just funding, like, parapsychology research. He's very into it. He's uh, he's using all of his clout as an astronaut to just right. uh, you know. Uh, I mean, Palo by all Alto, means, I think it's fund it and prove something. I to do me. think it's awesome. Like, yeah, that is to say that like I am okay. I am a skeptic. I don't believe in. I'm that, not a but believer I, either, but I think. But I think we it's awesome. I think that all it's the better. money people w- are willing to put into trying to prove. Tr- prove if you could. I just prove think it, it's better than I'm most of the in. stuff that we do. Right. You know, I I think that it's a more worthwhile way to direct government funds than like war uh-huh we should be seeing if we can do magic right okay federally funded magic hogwarts make hogwarts real first healthcare, then hogwarts okay this I'll is my elect you. Are, are you on board yeah i'm okay. your campaign manager and you have to give out 10 stars a day or else you go to the gulag. Right, okay, maybe not. But okay, well, get <laughs> fired. <laughs> fired again. So, um, he's just doing that. He uh, uh, he becomes the founding chairman of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which still exists. That's they're still doing research on if we all think at a clock at the same time, does it change speeds? Uh-huh. You know. That kind of stuff. Can we quantumly entangle our thoughts into random number generators? Yeah. They're on that. Can we? Uh, I mean, they have a bunch of... I would imagine if it's been proven, I would... Remember during the pandemic when I smoked weed for like a month because yeah. it was the pandemic. Did you get really into that? Well, no, you got me into it. Uh, we were, we so were doing uh, Robot Bong. and then I remember that, Robot that, Bong. Was it Morgan Freeman narrated? Through the wormhole? Through the wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Noetic sciences. Uh-huh. That's where they're pulling the the research for uh-huh. through the wormhole. Yeah. That's the scientific body. Hey, they got Mikhail Kai Kai I'm gonna say his name wrong. Yep. The 
the physicist. Yep. Astrophysicist. He's a, he's on there. He's a person. Yeah. <laughs> he does show up. I like him. Yeah. Oh, no, he's a wonderful person. <gasps> anyway, all right. So, you know, he's doing they're... consciousness re- research. He's right? looking at phenomena. Mm-hmm. He is trying to bridge the gap between science and religion. It's the 70s. Right. He's, he's doing it. He uh, winds up face to face with then director of the CIA, George H.W. Bush. Hey. And he shoots his shot. He's like, I think that there is something to remote viewing. I think that the CIA should get into it. And that's the start? George H.W. Bush goes, I don't think that's a CIA thing, but I do think that the Department of Defense would be interested. And that's where we get the start of Stargate. Wow. In 1970. It's a referral. Uh You know, he shoots his shot. Hey, director of the CIA. I'm an astronaut. I walked on the moon. I think that maybe this could be a thing. He didn't get a yes, but he did get referred to some generals. Well, I mean, yes, no, or I'll consider it are the options. And it sounds like he got an I'll consider it. He got it all. I mean, he got a he got a referral. Right. Which uh, then turned into. uh, So, I mean, so Stargate is, uh, you know, it's made famous by the men who stare at goats. Right. For anyone, you know, that wants to do a deep dive on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's man walks on moon. Man feels funny coming back from moon. Full descent into just I got to find out. If humans are magic, chance meeting with George H.W. Bush, start of Stargate. How chances is meeting? It's, uh, I mean, they're like at a dinner together. Right. Okay. So you know, you know, state dinner. Mm-hmm. He's just sure. like, hey, they they get seated at the same table. Right. Okay. And like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna talk and like, oh, it sure is cool that you walked on the moon. And he's like, yeah, walking on the moon is cool, but do you know that humans can see things like that are, that aren't in front of them? Yeah, that was the astral projecting, right? Yeah, so... so remote, I mean, there's a lot of components. So remote viewing to the, yeah. isn't astral projecting. Oh, sorry. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> How dare I? Uh, so you're not, you're not putting yourself at the location. Mm. You are simply receiving images from another place. That's like when psychics say they can find the body or like... Yes. Uh, yeah, that. Yep, that's remote viewing. Yeah, it's wild because they still like will go to it, but it's like if it worked, then wouldn't it work? Right. Is that, you know, and I know I want to believe too. I want to believe. Of course I want to believe. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so much more fun than any of these other things. I hate everything. Right. I hate real life. Uh I wish that we could see things that weren't there. Mm Mm-hmm. But we or can't. see things that are, are there, there, but with we're far the, away. Yeah, or just uh, we have a blindfold yeah. uh-huh. on. Um, and, uh, but this does. Uh, it's like the Department of Defense finds an absolutely pilled general um, with like the best name <laughs> for it. Uh, I I thought that I could commit it to memory because it's so ridiculous, but I could not. Uh, and I don't want to get it wrong. His name is like Stumblebutt, uh, Stumblebiffle, ah, Stibblebibble. You All know, right. there's General Stibblebibble, right? And 
he's tasked with like George H.W. Bush is like, I know a guy. It's uh-huh. General Stibble Bibble. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, he has been pilled for the entire decade. It's the late 70s. And starting in the early 70s, he was like, I think we should be investigating magic because he's he's constantly trying to walk through walls. He's very convinced that he can. Hell if yeah. If he just like focuses his stuff. Um, I mean, I think like, if you bump your head hard enough when you're trying to walk through a wall, you might feel like you w- can walk through walls. Yeah. And this has been his, that's been like his whole thing right. for, for like a decade. Uh-huh. Like we should be training psychic soldiers. He's also received, there's a lot of like, Russian disinformation going around this time that they've like that invested they fifty million. Right. Like yeah. they're like, we you know what? We're spending fifty million dollars a year on our psychic army, and then our army is like, why aren't we spending fifty million dollars a year on a psychic army? Yeah, and it's just been kind of like brewing uh-huh. in Washington for a decade, and then this astronaut comes out and he's like, I think that we can. Right, and they're like. All right, uh-huh. let's get the money hose going. So starting in the late 70s, they are pumping money into Project Stargate. They get General Stibblebibble, and he's in charge of it for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing it and doing it and doing it. And in the uh, up until the early 90s, okay, this runs for... Well, aren't there theories that, you know, of course, in the conspiracy world that they... That it never stopped? And that they fig that they have figured it out that it was successful. Well, <laughs> of course there are theories, but uh, I mean there are like some early uh, like higher up scientists mm-hmm. in the um, in Project Stargate that were like thumbs up every year to the budget committee because also this happened every year they had to go to the justify they had to justify the budget man people won't give us like i know (laughs) any money to just do like a concert yeah like just like put on a cool concert for like a neighborhood but they got mil. Oh, they got oh, I mean, millions. Like we have been. I mean, we have been working on uh, Project Resonate. Yes. <laughs> which, uh, which is, it's going to be. Uh, we do have. <laughs> we like, actually have funding. Yeah. We have some funding to We're do it. But every single cool time series. that we apply for a grant, you have to follow. Like, did you use the right font? Did you answer in three sentences, not four? Like all of this, all of these rules. And did to you res- answer part A, B, and C of the inquiries? And do you check this box and this box? And do you have the correct um, Duns number? Because we don't actually uh, the use... Duns number doesn't exist yet. Right? But do you have? Do it? you have it? Um, that you need to have all of the organization's information together, uh, and also it needs to follow all the ADA. Uh, it, you know. Meanwhile, it, from nineteen. 19- 1977 to 1992, every year, a couple of scientists went in front of the Congressional Budget Committee and went, yeah, we're pretty close to having psychic soldiers. Right. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty close. Uh, Well, I mean, and that, uh, you know, there is the one side as a taxpaying citizen that makes me be like, that is not awesome. But there's (laughs) the other side. Right. <laughs> well, and there's another side of me as a um like lover of ridiculous things that makes me say I should just be incorporating that energy yes. into my pitching. No, I like, do think that this is aspirational. Like, because this ran 
This is a twenty-year program, right? And they have they have it's staff. A big, if they can they've do got it, I buildings. Can do it. They've got millions of dollars uh-huh. every year. They got to spend it, right? And they are just having people like sit in like dark rooms, and they're like, "Do you know where the missile sites are?" Do and they're describing have you like seen cranes. the Muffin Man. Right. <laughs> have you seen him? <laughs> There's like uh this is where Is this was this the evidence of um nuclear stuff in Iraq? This was this would the, be the evidence of, of mass, mass destruction? destruction? Yeah, the yeah. New York Times they just like uh Yuri Geller told us that they're uh uh, you know, they bent a spoon and they saw the thing. And this is this is where Yuri Geller got all of his uh like the start of his career. He was a Stargate. Uh who's Yuri Geller? Yuri Geller, um, he was like former Israeli army and then became a like psychic phenomena. He was the one that would go on the late night shows and like bend spoons. Oh, so he's a magician. Yes. Like, but like a not not a magician. He had telekinetic powers. Look, I love magic right. because I think that, um, like, I think that magicians are like, I think that they are um, capturing the sense of wonderment that, as we were talking about earlier in this episode, about like being a child and finding new. Th- it be just being a young person, you know, child through yeah. adolescence through. Um, young adulthood and you're you're discovering new things that amazing the sense of wonder um they magicians can gift to adults that are stuck in this universe where we kind of know the laws right right and then they break it for a moment and and even though you can justify that you know that there's some sort of trick happening that like did that moment where you go how did that you know before your very eyes something breaks the laws that you've um come to think are uh, the only way the world works that's it's so beautiful but i think that there's um this danger between Mm, the the magician there's um like this danger between between the magician and the charlatan the charlatan slash guru i feel like there's a there's a um there's a danger zone. There's a danger There's a zone. There's an intertwining of the charlatan guru character with the magician. Um, it's kind of like, you know, using a thing for good or evil. And also, um, the it's a it's a similar like. I feel like it. It's it's more powerful to use it for evil. Like what ma- magician is powerful from their magic? Like Darren. Or Dane, Dane, no, Darren Chris. What, what am I saying? Dane, not Dane Cook. He's a who's oh. the magician? <laughs> oh, the uh, the like this the the like goth one. Yeah. Um, he's the only powerful mu- magician, and I don't know his name. You know what I mean? Like it's not power, but there's many powerful uh, guru con men using Chris Angel. Mm, yes. Chris Angel. Well, I mean, that's the, like the last one, but I mean, there was David Copperfield, right? There of was, course, uh, you yeah. Know, like illusionists, mm-hmm. like through throughout the history of time. But that's to say, Houdini, uh, Yuri Geller. Uh, he did the bending spoons thing, and then he he made it a whole thing 
where it was like he did all of the like the Johnny Carsons and stuff. And, he uh-huh. was, you know, they're like, ah, we're going to have a nice fun trick. And he's like, it's not a trick. I'm literally bending the spoon with my mind. Well, yeah. Magic is real. That is part of the. Right, right, right. I mean, it's like you can't on the one right. hand. But then it, it, it devolved into this is like one of the famous like amazing Randy things where uh, like James Randy is a he was uh, a master magician. Okay. And he felt that it was his responsibility to expose. Is that the guy that like climbed through the windows at colleges to like fa- bend sp- where he exposed the experiments yes, yes, in quotes? Yes, yes, I'm yes, doing yep. this in quotes. Where you like that was a, that's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. He was James hired. Randi yeah. is like the best grumpy skeptic crank. He is. Yeah, he, he rules. is like the atheist god. Yeah, explain uh, like. Um, so the amazing Randy, he was a magician in the like fifties and sixties mm-hmm. and, and like an incredible, uh, you know, he could do, he, I think he was, his most famous trick was like getting out of the straight jacket. Like he invented the straight jacket gag. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that was like his job for 20 years was like magician. And then in the early eighties, he, there was this whole wave of kind of bunk science, which again, it, it's connected with Stargate because yeah. it's literally like one of the people that they funded started it, um, of like, quote, magicians and laboratories doing science experiments to show that magic is real or psychic powers are real and right. stuff like that. And they were using- And they were saying they couldn't be fooled. Right. Because they're using the scientific method, which, yes, the scientific method is tried and true. It's how we have gotten uh, the vast body of knowledge that makes us be able to go to the moon, you know? Yes, but also people However, can lie. Right. Well, and but, that's yeah. what his point was. Like, yeah. you think that you, these these experiments are foolproof, but there are certainly things. You are, um, they're foolproof if everyone is doing it in good faith and the... Uh, the art thing is, is the that trick ma- of the, the trick is that the art of being a magician is you're lying. Yes, and he knows that because right. he was a professional liar. Exactly, he was a professional magician, and he did it for fun. But then he saw it was like it was specifically uh, Yuri Geller that he had the huge rivalry with because, uh, like James Randi took it as his responsibility because he saw someone using magic, which to him was like a tool of his trade his tool of like entertainment right and he saw them using magic to do harm right to like society like mm-hmm. using sleight of hand using um misdirection like all of the all of the tricks of his trade that he mastered as a young adult and he saw just like he could analyze how they were doing their tricks and then uh expose how they were pulling one over on like a research scientist or something. Right. So then someone was doing a study. It was like, and and they were trying to prove like that. Look, people. It and he was like, you can be tricked. They were like, there's no way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That this that there will be any. And I think he famously right. He broke He's, in. I think he swapped the. Sp- uh, it was. Uh, I thought after hours. He broke in after hours because he knew that the way that the trick was being done was that they were using tampered spoons uh-huh like basically that they uh um the way that you could bend a spoon with your mind was if it had like a weaker uh you know uh joint uh-huh. at the, 
between the handle and the spoon, you know, something like that. And he knew that they were using tampered spoons because that's how you would do it. It would be that simple. Uh, and he swapped them. He swapped the experiment spoons with like actual spoons. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they failed to bend. Well, oh, no, 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 no. I think it was the opposite. I think he was trying to prove just that they would be fooled, the researchers. Oh, so he right, swapped right, right. their, you know, spoons. But he documented, they thought it was like a lockdown facility and he, you know, finds some trick to get in. He documents it all. He swaps the spoons. I, I This is my memory of the event. Oh, and yeah. Then okay. We're th- just. That it's, oh, this is totally out of my ass, but I think I remember this, that that he swaps the spoons to be a bendable one or, or you know, one that he. He swapped can, the spoon. He swaps the we're spoons. We're just two people <laughs> kind of remembering the time that James Randi did a thing with spoons. This is the this is why you've given us five stars. Uh-huh. Uh, but that is to say, I did not think that we were going to talk about James Randi. Sorry. Much. OK, let's return to the <laughs> we're one. We're returning to Stargate. You're right. So, like, this is all, this is, like, offshoots of Stargate. Like, Stargate has, I I guess what I'm trying to say is that Stargate has repercussions in society that last to this day. Because it was funded by the federal government, and what the, you know, what receives money flows downstream. So, like, this this kind of obsession with uh, mentalists and psychics and, Mm -hmm. you know, crossing over with John Edwards and, like, cold readings and all of that shit it gets a huge bump in popularity during this time because it is receiving shitloads of money. Well, and I, I mean, I think there's a natural and curiosity. It is awesome. There's it a is curiosity awesome. to everyone of, you know, you have little experiences like you think about someone and they call you. Or, you know, right. and you're like, is there? We don't know how stuff works. What do we know about how stuff works? But, um... <laughs> I, I, all to say that I I don't think, I don't think, were I to, but I, right. there's the part of you, of everyone, I think, that wonders. Wonders there slash wants. Wants, I think that that's the, that's, yeah. the, that's the core problem uh-huh. here is the wanting. I think that General Stumblebibble uh-huh. really, <laughs> really wanted it. Yeah. And that's going to color... Yes. The, your science. Right. Your science experiments where uh-huh. you're having the people think about where the nukes are. Uh, because he wants it. And it's he's he's in there for a really long time. He gets replaced with like a regular general, and then he's like, Holy shit, what am I in charge of? <laughs> this uh-huh. is I mean, I have to justify the budget, but also what are we doing? Uh, and then Stargate kind of limps along for another five years. And then in 1995, the CIA takes it over publicly. There, there's like a whole, you know, a whole rigmarole about like, uh, ooh, what have we been funding for the right. last 20 years? The CIA is like, we're going to clean it up. We're going to do some research. We're going to we're gonna see what they've done. We're going to gather the data. And then a few years later, they were like, ah, didn't work. Right. Well, so... What happened to the guy? The the man, the sixth man to walk on the moon. The astronaut? Yeah. Well, he just, uh, he he didn't directly oversee anything at Stargate. Mm-hmm. He just kind of suggested that it should exist. Yeah. And then uh, up until his death in the late 2010s, he just called every single journalist every day to be like, the aliens are trying to prevent World War Three. The you know, or like uh, the aliens are. He he was just really into aliens. He never claimed to see a UFO. 
Uh, but, you know, Roswell was real. Uh, America is dissecting aliens, and he just kind of, like, shows up. So he's one like, of the big, because a lot of, there's a lot of, like, quoting, like, per, person from NASA Someone says, from NASA. It's this guy. Was it this guy? <laughs> he's, he is a frequently cited source. There was the one other guy that's a big cited alien NASA source that was the Nazi scientist that became a oh, NASA guy. Von Braun? Yeah, doesn't he get So this alien? does crisscross applesauce with right. Von Braun uh-huh. uh, in that uh, Annie, the journalist, can't clap. Annie Jacobson. Uh, she wrote uh, heavily about both Stargate and um, Operation Paperclip. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in Jacobson's works, which are kind of like cited very frequently by um, UFO people, because Annie Jacobson is an actual real journalist, but also writes about kind of soft topics, like fringe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I mean, these are people. There's like they're not a random guy on the street. No, that is they are know. like heads of NASA, an astronaut that walked on the moon and stuff. Um but they're also seen as, you know, uh, cranks. Right. Um so yeah, Von Braun and uh the uh, astronaut who walked on the moon for the sixth time, they're both characters in Jacobson's like catalog. I thought Von Braun said something like we had help from them. I believe was the that's the chilling quote. From ancient astronaut theorists, huh? My well, hair just got taller and stood on end. Right, right, as right. I, and I actually am going to be hosting a show on the History Channel next week. I think, uh, I think it could be true. Who that, knows? Yeah, I don't know. Right, but people say. Mm-hmm. I heard it from somebody. <laughs> um, so, throughout all of Stargate, yeah, my favorite thing out of all of it. Is uh so when the when the CIA released the released the documents, there was one little tidbit that is my favorite thing. So Stargate ran for twenty years, and they had remote viewers on staff, um, for that entire time. Some of them lived their entire career as a remote viewer for the army. Yeah, like I'm going to army today. Yeah, to remote view. So they get benefits. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they got salary? they got the salary. They got the, they were in army. Yeah. That was their job. But here's the best part, okay? Mm-hmm. In the methodology of the scientists, several of which were OT8 Scientologists also, like that does Chris Kloss. Yeah. yeah. So, we're employed like the Church of Scientology is like kind of running Stargate. It fucking rules. <laughs> so, in Look their method um, or it, do, do we want or not want Zenu? Uh, Zenu is bad. Oh, he is the big bad. Looking to destroy. We are Zenu. looking. Uh, LRH is in the cosmos, fighting Zenu right oh, now. Bad. He continues to fight Zenu. Cool. He's left his body Metal. to fight better. Okay. So, right. uh, which is astral projecting, not remote viewing. That's astral projecting. That's astral projecting. Wait, I thought that you could astral project whether you're alive well, in people's yes. minds, not I, real. Venn diagram. Right, okay. So, <laughs> the scientists decided that in their methodology of like testing remote viewing, that if they were to tell the remote viewer 
that they were getting stuff wrong, mm-hmm. that it would discourage their growing psychic power. So for the entirety of Stargate, the people that like woke up, drove their Mustang to Army, and then went and sat in a room and imagined where the nukes were and then said, like, I have, you know, like, ah, I'm getting an image of the nuke. It's at coordinates alpha beta. Uh-huh. They were told for their entire career that they were that right. That they were right. Forever? Forever. Wow. It was the it was the scientific policy to not tell them when they were wrong. So they got like so gaslit into they believing they got gaslit they into psychic? believing they were magic. God, can you imagine what that did to the rest of their lives? Yeah. They'd be like I see my wife cheating on me. <laughs> and she's like, I am not cheating on you. But I see, like, I, but I, I, see I, I found the nuke right the other day. Yeah, right. And, and, well, and then this is where, like, this does, like, filter out in a society where you get, like, you do get, like, former members of Stargate, like, calling into Coast to Coast AM mm-hmm. uh, because they're like, well, they couldn't say it in the media, but I did a remote viewing, and it, then it prevented this war. It prevented this catastrophe. It prevented this terrorist attack. But, like, obviously they wouldn't say it in the media. But it's because there was a policy of telling them that they were, in fact, magic. Huh. Yeah. It's it's wild because it's like it's like an understanding of chaos magic that they're like, if they, if we let them fully believe this reality, it will create then, this reality. Yeah, where in which they are correctly seeing whatever they're supposed to be seeing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a it's a case of yes and going fairly wrong, uh-huh. you know, because you can't uh, because like you're doing a scene, uh-huh. and if you're to negate your partner's scene, then it will fail. Yeah. You know, like you have to buy into the concept, and we have to be in this together. We got to do trust falls and all of that. And well, we... science is not yes anding though is uh-huh. the thing, and yeah. I love yes anding. You know, I live for a good yes and, but the scientific method I feel like is like specifically yeah, not is, yes and it's a no but it's a no but it's i mean a, it's a it's a whatever it's a reflection of <laughs> yes or no based on uh, results Data, and then evidence experiments yeah yeah but you got to hand it to them i mean mm-hmm. i do think there's something to it that if you're trying to make people magic well they've made people that think they're magic for sure they did make people that think that they're magic right Which they is, did succeed there mm mm-hmm. mhm and that did change the world. It did change the world. Yeah. Or alternate theory. They yes. succeeded and made people that are magic. And that's yeah. And know. that's the that's the cover up. I'm actually being an agent of the state right now yes. by perpetuating the uh switch the line. It. Three, 360, you know? We flip it. Flip it all the way back around. And yeah, you're actually perpetuating the narrative that they told you to. You're actually a CIA asset. Fuck. Unknowingly, that's how good they are. Accidental operator. Uh huh. That's a good. That's a. That's a good. Uh, song name or mm-hmm. something. Something that is maybe. Accidental, maybe that was the whole point. Accidental operator. Accidental operator. Hmm. Well, when we fully. <laughs> devolve into just making like 
conspiracy theory content content yeah when we make a band for that starts as ironic and accidentally just... team up with MIA right <laughs> we think it's we're coming at it as ironic but our audience suddenly well, is just I mean, believers I was then... already I mean I'm already dangerously close you are it's terrifying will, and I'm it, always pulling you back in if from the edge <laughs> if it means being in a super group with MIA, mm. I think I could just give in. Yeah? You're you'll do it? Would you not? What was the la- what was the big MIA one? All I wanna do is That song does rip. That song rules. Yeah, all right. Okay, we could be in a band with the paper planes person. Mm-hmm. And all we gotta do is go is it's just, just like buy into the wackiest. Just get a little cute build, right? That's all it'll take. You one tweet, one tweet. I just tweet MIA right you're now. Ready to go? And I'm like, I've, I've got this studio, I've got, mm-hmm. I've got all this stuff. I'm here to embrace you. Let's make the best Q album. Right. I'm gonna say, controversial. I'm gonna say. You're gonna say that. I think. That might not align with the ethos of the band that we play in. <laughs> well, I guess that we just broke up because I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go mix Mia's next record. Well, and that's uh, you had you heard it here, folks. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. This is the last podcast. Last episode. It's over. Um, no, it's not. I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. Cool. I'm just joking. Yeah. All right. Great. I, this is this is the the, the almost <laughs> fighting. <laughs> I, I'm not are, accusing. Are you, are you accusing I'm not accusing you, you of, of of me quitting to uh-huh. join MIA's QAnon band. <laughs> I'm not accusing you. Right. I bet honestly, it's a fast track to the top. I don't think you're wrong. Number one. Number one. Billboard top charts. Coming in at number 17 is MIA. That's when we will heart radio. That's when you know we've fully turned I think that's the end of the episode. Oh, yeah.